Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is BangTheBook.com's KBO betting podcast for Monday, June 22nd. I am your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Still doing the daily KBO article over at bangthebook.com. Holding off on picks still for now, but still writing up some good information and analysis, giving you a breakdown of the starting pitchers and the teams, stuff like that. Good information that will allow you to decide what exactly you want to play in the KBO. And just as an update, I will not be doing anything with the Nippon Professional Baseball League over in Japan. I will not be doing anything with that. Just focusing on the KBO here with the podcast and also with the content over at bangthebook.com. Have a preview of the Travelers Championship for you. That'll be coming your way here this afternoon. Also, five daily fantasy value picks coming out of that Travelers Championship tournament. UFC on ESPN 12. That's this week's NAS- or, uh, UFC card on Saturday. And NASCAR. The race rained out yesterday. Race going off here today. Then the drivers are at Pocono for a doubleheader next weekend. Two. Cup Series race is coming up here on the weekend at Pocono, as well as, I believe, an Xfinity Series race. So we'll be writing about that over at bangthebook.com as well. So lots of stuff going on. Two NASCAR races, golf, UFC, KBO. Hopefully we get some more news about some of the other sports restarting here. So it'll be a busy week over at bangthebook.com. We hope you check it all out. All right. So I guess we start here with the Monday mailbag. Got a question about that. It's a question I know a lot about, beer and bourbon. So I'm happy to talk about that here from Jeff on today's show. Also then a question about some college football stuff. So Jeff wondering what I've been drinking here this summer on the beer side, on the bourbon side. And, you know, look, I mean, I've been outside a lot more here this summer than usual. Not going to bars, not going to as many restaurants. Uh, you know, not as much patio drinking at these different establishments. Been going up to my buddy's lake house quite a bit. So I've been getting back into Coors Light, man. You know, just drinking something easy. They go down like water, to say the least. You know, if you want an IPA, there are some things. Lagunitas Daytime IPA is pretty good. Or maybe something that's kind of a big citrusy juice bomb at night. But, you know, I've been drinking a lot of just the uh, the more macro stuff here of late. Coors Light. Landshark, that's a good lake beer. Uh, Kona's Big Wave, that's a blonde ale. That's a very good beer as well. As far as some recent favorites for me, though, a few of these here. Papa Bowie Double IPA from Clag Brewing Company up in Sandusky, Ohio. That was awesome. That's one of the best beers I've had in a long period of time. Really, really love that one. Uh, As far as ones that everybody can get because they don't distribute uh, too far out of the Sandusky area. Founders, their Unraveled IPA, really, really good. Uh, The Florida Man Double IPA from Cigar City down in Tampa, uh, that's a very good beer. Pseudo Sioux Pale Ale from Topping Goliath, that was a really good beer. And then also Hazy Wonder from Lagunitas. That's a lighter drinking IPA that you can do in the afternoon. Uh, Pretty good one there. So, you know, I'm always on an IPA kick. I drink a ton of IPAs. Um, Again, obviously here, you, you know, seven, eight, nine. Had a triple IPA over the weekend from Founders. Uh, that was a 12 percenter. Those aren't great beers for the summertime, obviously, uh, unless you're just going to be kind of sitting around doing nothing. But, you know, plenty of options for you here for the summer. A few of those that I've liked. As far as bourbon goes, 
Still on my Michter's kick. I had some Red Breast 12 over the weekend once again. Uh, that's very, very good. That's not a bourbon. That's actually an Irish whiskey. Uh, but that's a good one. And for people out there that maybe want something a little bit lighter, my wife actually now has a thing for peach juice with bourbon as a summery cocktail. Uh, that's something she originally had at Oak and Ivy out in Las Vegas at Container Park. Uh, told the bartender, I believe his name is Carl, just to put something together with some bourbon and some peach flavor. And he wound up making something that she really liked. And now she's gotten back to that here uh, a couple years later. So there's an option for you. I, obviously, you know, I like my bourbon neat. I'm sure a lot of people do or like it in an old fashioned, something like that. But uh, peach juice, I guess, pairs pretty well with bourbon here for the summertime. And one last one, maybe a little bit of a bonus one for you here. Had some Terramana not too long ago. That's Dwayne Johnson's tequila. Uh, of course, got the Reposado instead of the Blanco. Very, very good. Easy to shoot, easy to sip. Uh, so Terramana, actually a pretty good tequila there to add to your uh, summer or really any time drinking list. Now, the second question here from Jeff, this one actually sports-related here. To what degree will I fade college teams that had little to no spring practice? And this is something a good friend of the show, Brad Powers, has been talking about on Twitter a little bit. Some teams actually did their spring practices and scrimmages and stuff like that before all of this coronavirus stuff got really big, kind of took hold, you know, in the in the middle of March, as we know. I'm not really sure how much I'm going to look into it. You know, just in general, it's been a very strange offseason. You've got COVID. You've got the societal issues going on, the Black Lives Matter things, uh, the protests, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we saw it kind of play out with Mike Gundy last week at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, and, and other coaches, I'm sure, will come under fire for their handling of different things, their comments of different things. We saw the assistant coach from Clemson. Uh, you know, he was kind of under the microscope as well. So it's just a really unique preseason environment here for college football. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to handle, you know, spring practice, teams that have had it, those that haven't, uh, you know, teams that have a lot of positive cases, like a Clemson, like a Texas. We saw Kansas State now with a lot of positive cases as well. I don't know. I guess if I had to say something here, I would say that maybe some programs that have had kind of a culture change – Maybe something that I will look to back a little bit early on in the season. Coaches that are motivators, programs that have gone in different directions. Because I would think that, you know, if you've got a high energy, you know, very positive kind of coach there into a system, it's probably keeping the players more engaged, keeping the players looking at the playbook, doing their strength and conditioning at home, stuff like that. I know, for example, I've seen very positive reviews of what Jeremy Pruitt has been doing at Tennessee. He's been showing up at protests and rallies uh, in the Knoxville area. You know, he's been really engaged, it seems, throughout this entire process. And also, too, Tennessee recruiting better now, a team that looked better at the end of last year than they did early on in the Pruitt uh, you know, tenure there, the Pruitt reign. So I think Tennessee is a team that's kind of on my radar as getting better here. Uh, Nick Rolovich at Washington State, you know, this is a guy that, very positive guy, got very involved with the culture uh, at the University of Hawaii, you know, just seems to have a good personality as a college football head coach, seems to be a very supportive type of guy, that would seem to be a lot different from what we saw with somebody like Mike Leach, who's clearly outspoken in his own way, you know, had the issues down at Texas Tech, stuff like that, 
So I think Washington State, you know, Nick Rolovich is probably a guy that can communicate better with his players uh, than Leach with the previous regime and also with some of the other programs that are out there. And one more that I would kind of key in on here a little bit, and this is a team that was a lot better last year than most people expected, but Scott Satterfield at Louisville. Again, a, a big difference from, you know, the Petrino days, some recent program change, maybe that has a big impact there. So those are maybe three teams, at least from some of the, the Power Five conferences, Tennessee, Washington State, Louisville, that I may kind of, you know, have a little bit more favoritism towards going into the season just by having some of those, you know, program culture changes and stuff like that. But as far as, you know, spring practice goes, I don't know. You know, I'm not really sure what the tangible impact of that would be. I think it's a factor. I think it's a factor that you can really overrate and overblow going into the season. So I think I'm more looking at programs where they've got, you know, more of a positive culture, maybe as a result of a recent change, uh, something like that. You know, I think it might be tough for Baylor. You know, not only was Baylor probably going to fall off, but also you know, losing a guy like Matt Rule, who really took that program to new heights, not just from a success standpoint last year, but just improving the culture of the program as a whole. Now he goes to the NFL. Baylor is a, in a if you're a program in a state of flux right now, I think this is a particularly difficult offseason for a variety of reasons. So a place like Baylor, that would be very difficult. Oklahoma State, I don't know how Mike Gundy smooths this all over. Certainly he had you know the statement that he read and, and stuff like that. But I think programs that are maybe on a positive upswing from a culture standpoint, maybe those will help here going into the season because you're going to have players that you know feel closer and more committed to that coach and also probably more engaged in their offseason preparations with the playbook and with you know strength and conditioning and stuff like that. So as always, Adam at bangthebook.com for the Monday Mailbag or at Skating Tripods on Twitter. We go ahead and dive into the Beyond the Box score segment here. And uh, obviously, I sound a little bit jumbled here at the start of today's show. Out of town for the weekend. Didn't really follow the KBO much. So a lot of playing catch up here on Monday morning. And we start with a couple of the big stories from over the weekend in the KBO. Kiwum signs Addison Russell. Hanwa signs Brandon Barnes. Now, of course, these two guys aren't going to have much of an impact for a while. Both guys are going to need a month. They're going to have to go through the quarantine, the move, get all the immigration things squared away, all that kind of thing. So maybe mid to late July is when we start getting an impact from these two players. And, you know, for Addison Russell, obviously a very polarizing signing by Kiwum. Shitty person, had the domestic uh, the domestic incident when he was with the Chicago Cubs they wind up letting him go now he finds himself in the KBO assuming he passes all the physicals and and all that type of thing not a great person obviously but that aside a guy that should be a pretty good player in this league I mean he'll help Kiwum defensively they're currently second defensive runs saved anyway per sports info solutions they're pretty set in their ways at second base and shortstop though so Russell will either have to play the outfield or play third base here. So we'll see how that transition kind of goes for him. But in general, the bat should play. The bat should play in the KBO. He wasn't a great hitter in Major League Baseball, but a very talented, very high upside kind of player in a league such as this. So again, the character considerations, stuff like that, that's not for me to decide. But I think he'll be a good player for this league and will be something that should help Kiwum 
as the second half of this season moves along. Now, Hanwa signing Brandon Barnes. I mentioned last week that you know, they had moved Jared Hoying down to sixth in the lineup, and I was kind of curious how that whole dynamic was going to play out. Well, now they waived Jared Hoying, and Jared Hoying did have a back issue early on in the season, missed some time. Brandon Barnes, I think, will be a very good hitter in this league. I, I felt like in 2018, he should have gotten a look for the Indians. He was swinging it pretty well in AAA, playing in the International League, which is the tougher of the two hitting AAA leagues. I think he should be very good in the KBO. He's a platoon guy that's going to hit lefties very, very well. Right-handed batter. Brandon Barnes is a guy that I think could be a big asset to Hanwa in the second half of the season here. At the very least, help them out offensively because they definitely need help in that department. But he hits lefties really well. So maybe that'll be an angle when Hanwa's facing some left-handed pitchers. I would expect that Brandon Barnes down the line here would wind up being a pretty good piece for them. However, once again, we're talking mid to late July. The impacts for these players at the earliest. With the mandatory 14-day quarantine, with getting all their affairs in order to move over to South Korea... You're probably looking at, you know, probably late July even at this point in time. So these guys are going to get over there. They are going to be foreign players for these teams, but it will take a while before we see any tangible impacts for them. And again, they may even have to go to the Futures League for a little bit, get their timing down, all that kind of thing. Want to give a quick update here on wins above average. Again, tracked by status over on uh, over in South Korea. That is a website you will have to use Google Translate for. But real quickly here, the best offenses in order by wins above average, NC, Doosan, LG, KT, Kiwoom, Kia, Lata, Samsung, SK, and Hanwha. So that's your 1 through 10 on the offensive side. On the defensive side, NC is first, KT and Samsung are tied for second, SK fourth, LG, then Kiwoom, Lata, Doosan, Kia, and Hanwha. So... Again, we're talking here about offense and defense. We're NC, the best offensive team, the best defensive team. KT still in the top half of the league offensively, tied for second defensively. SK, a good defensive team, but a bad offensive team. One of the reasons why they've been such a good underbed here for this season. Kiwum, kind of middle of the pack in both. Lata, same thing, but kind of below average in both. And Hanwa, of course, obviously the worst team in the league, both offensively and defensively. On the starting pitching side, NC still number one, still double what Kia is in wins above average, although they have come back down a little bit here of late. Kia is second, Samsung third, Kiwum fourth, Lata fifth, Doosan, LG, SK, KT, and Hanwa round out wins above average for starting pitchers. Again, LG still underachieving in a lot of ways, based on my observations, based on my analysis. So I don't know if they ever get this thing figured out, but if they do, again, that offense should be quite a bit better than we've seen here so far. On the relief pitching side, Kia, now number one in wins above average, Lata two, LG three, Samsung four, Kiwoom five, then SK, Doosan, Hanwha, not the worst bullpen in the KBO. It's about the only thing that they're not the worst in. NC has the second worst bullpen by wins above average and KT dead last still in the KBO. So a couple of takeaways, as I mentioned, NC, you know, still tops in the league in three key categories, but the gaps are getting a little bit smaller, at least as far as the starting pitching side goes 
with Kia really stepping up nicely. Um, you have Samsung, a very bad offensive team. They're eighth in wins above average offensively, but tied for second in defense, third in starting pitching, fourth in relief pitching. Samsung, not a good offensive team, but pretty good in a lot of other ways. SK and Hanwha, very far and away the two worst teams in the KBO. SK specifically with their offense. They are very, very bad. KT and Hanwha, easily the worst pitching in the KBO. And that's not really a big surprise given the stats with the year to date so far. KT did get William Cuevas back over the weekend. Maybe that helps them out a little bit. But again, interestingly enough, LG now third in wins above average as far as relief pitching goes behind Kia and Lata. And LG, they've raised their ERA by about a full run here over the last three weeks or so. They have definitely fallen on some very hard times from a relief pitching standpoint. Once again, you can find that over at Status, S-T-A-T-I-Z. Again, you'll have to Google Translate that page, but that'll give you the wins above average metrics when you go to Season Information and then click on 2020. All right, so take a look here at the series that wrapped up over the weekend. NC only took two out of three from Hanwha. Warwick Sopold getting the win there for Hanwha in the middle game, gave up a run on uh, seven hits, struck out seven, I believe six and two-thirds is what he went in that one. Hanwa got a little bit unlucky. The rain out for NC on Thursday gave them Kuchang Mo, and Kuchang Mo has been so good that he gave up an earned run over seven innings, and his ERA went up from that start on Friday, so that's how good he's been. NC, you know, not a real impressive series, though. Kuchang Mo was great. They won that game three to one. They got shut down by Sawpold in the middle game. Then in the finale, they actually blew a six to one lead, but wound up winning that game nine to seven. That was a bullpen game for them pretty much, but their bullpen's been awful. And, and this is a key thing here. If NC starts playing some closer games, if that offense starts to fade a little bit and they start playing closer games, that's when they will get into trouble because their bullpen is very, very bad. So if we get some offensive regression, as we've started to see in a micro way here with them, in the sense that other teams are kind of catching up to them a little bit in wins above average and stuff like that, if we start seeing some more of these trends, that bullpen is bad. So this is an NC team that at this point in time, I would be a little bit concerned laying big numbers with them Obviously, against a team like Hanwha, it's a little bit easier. But as they face some better teams moving forward here, I do think they may continue their comeback to the pack. So I would not lay big numbers with NC right now, especially with some of those bullpen considerations. Hanwha scored 11 runs in the three games of this series. So that was pretty much on par with what they've done on the road here thus far. They have a puncher's chance at home, or on the road, excuse me. Because on the road, they're scoring about four runs per game. At home, they're scoring less than three runs per game. So if you're trying to bet Hanwha, and, you know, good luck with that. If you're trying to bet Hanwha, I think on the road is where to do it. Because their offense is a little bit better on the road, they've got slightly more of a margin for error. But at home, very, very difficult in a lot of ways for this Hanwha team. NC only drew six walks in this series. And over 34% of their hits have gone for extra base hits so far. That's easily the tops in the KBO. And I can't help but wonder if we do see some offensive regression from NC. Again, a very difficult team to fade because they're good defensively. They've got great pitching. 
but I think that they're still overachieving a little bit. So maybe we get some offensive regression from this NC team. That is something I would be on the lookout for a little bit here in the coming weeks. KT, they win a series here, but they blew, or excuse me, they were down eight to nothing in game one against the lot, the Giants. That was Bay J. Seong. Three innings, eight earned, nine hits, gave up three home runs, didn't strike out a batter, walked two. I talk about regression and looking for signs of regression here. And for Bay, he had a lot of them. And sometimes it comes gradually. Sometimes it happens like this, where you just get your brain beaten in, you give up the three home runs, eight earned over three innings, and that brings your ERA up towards your fifth. So for Bay J. Seong, again, a guy that you know, was kind of living on Babbitt luck, living on left on base percentage luck, without a high strikeout rate, I was worried about him, and it came to fruition here, at least in this game. Now, the interesting thing is that KT's bullpen went shut out the rest of the way, and they win that game 9-8. to eight. So Lata, with an 8 nothing lead, loses the first game in the series. And this KT bullpen, after that big workload on Friday, it was kind of one of those things where when you're a manager, you win today and worry about tomorrow then. That's what they did. So later in the series here, even though they won the series, they gave up eight runs over the last two games because their bullpen got worked really, really hard. Their primary relievers who are, you know, there's about three guys that have been pretty good out of the bullpen for them. They've all pitched extensively over the last week, week and a half. So over the weekend, they had to turn to some other guys to try and steal some innings. Didn't go particularly well for them. So keep an eye on that once again here early in the week for KT where their bullpen was worked quite a bit last week, especially their primary guys. When you look at Lata here for this series, obviously they deserved a better fate with that big lead in game one, but they wind up blowing that one. But a good sign going forward that Adrian Sampson threw six shutout innings, struck out seven against a good lineup in a good hitter's park. That was a really nice thing to see for him. Also nice to see William Cuevas come back for KT. Seven shutout innings, five hits, five strikeouts. That's big for them because Odrissimer Despagne has been struggling. Bay, as we just saw, got knocked around. They don't have much starting pitching depth. A good start from Cuevas, very important for them as they look to right the ship and get back on track a little bit here. One more, 20-year-old Kong back home, batting 350, 414, 740. Maybe he follows that Shinsu Chu route and winds up getting himself over to the big leagues. He's only 20 years old. Maybe he finds himself in the bigs in a couple of years here, but very, very good hitter for KT. They missed him a lot when he was gone. Since he's come back, he's just been on fire. And that's the thing for KT here. They're going to have to continue trying to outscore the opposition with that shallow bullpen and a pretty weak starting rotation. But liking LG a little bit here in this series, they had been the better offense at Jamsil Stadium. And they just got trucked in this series here. And in fact, this is something that Doosan does to them regularly. Since the start of 2018, Doosan is 30-8 and eight against LG. So for whatever reason, they just own their roommates here. Didn't know that going into the series, obviously, uh, but Doosan played very, very well here in this series. And look, they scored 29 runs in the three games. They had 18 in one of them, of course. But still, for a Doosan team that had scored well under five runs per game at home, this was a massive breakout for them at Jamsil Stadium. 
LG, meanwhile, they only scored 13 runs in this series, and 10 of them came in game one. Some lackluster starting pitching performances here in this series. Chabu Chan for LG gave up eight runs in the one inning that he pitched. Lee Young-Ha for Doosan gave up seven runs in three and two-thirds. Uh, Lee Min-Ho kind of navigated his way through five innings, but walked four. He wasn't particularly sharp. The LG bullpen was terrible. The Doosan bullpen had some ups and downs here. You know, for Doosan, it was an interesting series because in the first game, everybody went off. They scored 18 runs. In the middle game, seven of their eight RBI came from the bottom of the order. And when you get bottom-of-the-order production in this league, that's huge. One of the reasons why NC's offense has been so good is because Aaron Alther at the bottom of the order has been hitting really well, batting seventh or eighth. So they're getting production up and down the full lineup. A lot of teams don't have that luxury. They get production from the top four or five guys. Then there's a pretty big drop-off. Doosan in this series got a lot from the bottom of the order, and that really helped them. Because in that middle game, the top of the order was really kept at bay by Casey Kelly. So Doosan getting production from the bottom of the order, that really helps. That's why they were able to really take hold of this series here. And then in the finale, they just got a great start from Raul Alcantara. And Alcantara, of course, a guy, not great command, but at home, he can succeed. And he did there on Sunday in that series against LG. Park Jong-Yi. Uh, six shutout innings for him in the middle game. He pitched really well. So Doosan, when they get starting pitching, and with this improved bullpen here of late, they can be a very dangerous team. They haven't gotten great starting pitching. The offense has been hit or miss. They got the offense and the starting pitching here, and that's what happened. They put together a sweep, and kudos to them for that. One big note coming out of this series for LG, Che Eun Sung, their number three hitter, a very, very good hitter, a decent outfielder as well. He suffered a sprained ankle in the series finale. That's a big loss for this LG offense. The LG offense has been very good. Che is a big part of it, and he's now out a couple of weeks with a sprained ankle. So make sure you make your adjustments either in your mind or in your power ratings or whatever else for the LG Twins here coming up for their next couple of series. SK gets swept by Kiwoom, and the Wyverns only scored six runs in this series, and their offense is terrible. And nobody talks about how bad this SK team is because Hanwha just completely overshadows them in so many ways. But SK is just not very good. Moonsung Wan threw six shutout here. He was very good. But Lee Jian Wook, a guy I talked about fading on Thursday's show, and Ricardo Pinto, neither one of those guys very good. And for Lee, in fact, he only gave up three runs in four and two-thirds, but he had 10 base runners in that span. So things could have been much worse for him. He continues to be a fade candidate as we go forward here for SK. SK, once again, you know, you bet unders with Park Jong-Hoon. You bet unders with Moon Sung-Wan. And otherwise, I, I don't think you can really play them. You know, they're not priced as bad as they actually are. So you can find ways to fade them. There's some of their good starting pitchers are keeping some of their lines in check. They just can't score. They're not priced like Hanwa. They're not as bad as Hanwa, but they're pretty bad. And because their starting pitchers look impressive, I mean, Moonsung Wan has been fantastic. I think they've only won one of his eight starts this year, or one of his nine starts, whatever it is, because they don't score for him. They don't score for anybody. 
So you can fade SK, even with some of their good starting pitchers on the mound, you can still fade this team because the bullpen is average and the offense is well below average. So you can make some money fading SK, even when some of their better starting pitchers are on the mound. For Kiwoom here, all positives coming out of this series. Good starts. Uh, you know, the Kiwoom bullpen, they pitched eight and two thirds, struck out nine, didn't walk anybody, gave up a couple of solo homers. That was it. Park Byung-ho came back, hit a home run on Saturday, a couple of walks and a knock on Sunday. So everything came up roses for Kiwoom here in this series. The starting pitching was good. The bullpen was great. The offense was good. Kiwoom, again, I think they're probably the third best team here in the KBO behind NC and LG. So we'll see if they start to hit that stride now uh, with everybody kind of healthy and happy at this point in time. Finally, one more series to recap here. Kia, they took two out of three over Samsung. And I was surprised to see a little bit of a lower scoring series here. Samsung broke out for 12 runs on Sunday, but otherwise nine runs in the first two games uh, of this series, nine runs each in the first two games of this series. Uh, David Buchanan, could have been worse for him. Gave up eight hits, but only a couple have earned. Gave up a big three-run homer to Preston Tucker. Could have been worse, but had the strikeout going for him. Kia, big bullpen efforts. And again, Kia, as I mentioned now, the best bullpen in the KBO by wins above average. And they've got the second best starting rotation by wins above average as well. So again, this Kia team getting some very good pitching. And the offense, at least at home, has been very, very productive. They knocked around Wante in on Saturday. Wante in's been very up and down, very inconsistent for Samsung. Uh, that's something that we'll have to follow going forward here. M. Ki Young, another pretty good start for Kia. Yang Hyun Jong did get rocked, though. Gave up a couple of home runs. He's given up six home runs here so far, which ties him for last year in 184 and two-thirds innings. Yang Hyun Jong, I think, is a guy that you can fade. In tough pitching environments, like at home and like some of the really good road ballparks for hitting. So, again, I, I mean, you're not going to get rich fading this guy. He's one of the best domestic pitchers in the league. But he's starting to give up some home runs this year again, like he did in his previous seasons. So, again, in good hitters parks, you may find some chances to go against him a little bit. For Samsung, one good note here. Former Cubs prospect Lee Hack Jew, their shortstop, 424, 486, 667 over his last 10 for Samsung here. Their offense is slowly getting going. And if their offense picks up, they pitch well and they play good defense. Samsung looks like a play on team right now in a lot of ways. And that brings me to our preview of the week ahead here. Samsung hosts Hanwha. And you're going to have to pay some prices here on Samsung. I understand that. But their bullpen is very good. The starting pitching's been solid. The offense is, I think, better than what the full body of work would suggest. This is a big series. These are games that they have to win. And they're going to avoid Warwick Sopold in this series. So I think Samsung is a good bet on some of those alternates. The run lines, maybe the minus two and a half, three and a half, stuff like that. I think this is a play-on series for Samsung here. I also think this is a higher-scoring series. Hanwa's in a good hitter's park. They've got better road power. They've scored about four runs per game on the road. I think this is an over series. And I think this is also a series where you back Samsung uh, at some of these run line or alternate run line prices. They'll get Chad Bell. I don't know if Chad Bell has figured anything out. Like I said, they avoid Sopold. That helps them. I think Samsung is a play on team here. 
both from a total standpoint and also from a side standpoint in this series against Hanwha. Kia and Lata, remember, Kia on the road, less than four runs per game at home, 6.3 runs per game. So Kia goes out on the road here now, could hurt their offense. They've only hit nine home runs in 21 games away from home. They've hit 28 home runs in 20 games at home. So Kia on the road, very tough to back them because their offense, 2.3 fewer runs per game on the road. Games in Busan here where Lotta plays, 9.8 total runs per game. Lotta's pitching staff has been very good at home. They're 12-5 and five at home for whatever reason. Uh, they're winning some low-scoring games at home, stuff like that. These are the two best bullpens by wins above average in the KBO. Dan Straley will pitch in this series. Aaron Brooks will pitch in this series. I think it's a low-scoring series here. And if it's going to be low-scoring, it probably favors Lotta simply because Kia just doesn't score on the road. And they know that. I'm sure that's a mental thing for them when they go on the road here. So I think lower-scoring games could favor Lotta, especially because their offense just isn't quite as potent. But again, two good bullpens here, so maybe an under-series between Kia and Lotta. We're probably looking at an over-series here between NC and KT. NC's pitching staff has allowed 30 home runs at home in 23 games, They've only allowed 13 on the road in 17 games, but now they go to a park where there have been 12.4 runs per game scored here in Suwon. KT, healthy offense now. They've scored 6.1 runs per game at home. I think both teams have some success scoring runs here in this series. NC's got those big road splits where I mentioned I'm looking for some regression on the road. They had been outscoring teams by almost four runs per game. Now they're down in the three and a half range. But still, I think NC is a regression candidate on the road. I think this is a high scoring series. I think this is a difficult series for the KT bullpen. So I may not be looking to back them here if I'm betting in this series, but I would be looking at some higher scoring games here and also maybe a spot to fade Mike Wright once again, going into a tough pitching environment against a pretty good KT lineup that can and has hit for some power here this season. Doosan and SK. Doosan goes out on the road. SK games in that ballpark have only averaged 8.2 runs per game. So not a great hitting environment here. Doosan's been very good on the road, but now they're in a bad pitcher's park or a bad hitter's park, excuse me. We'll see how that offense fares for them. SK is now 4-16 and 16 on the road. They've allowed over six runs per game on the road but only 4.5 runs per game at home. So this gives SK a chance because it's a lower scoring environment with their low scoring offense. So I don't think I would lay big prices on Doosan here in this series. Now the Bears are lucky. They get to avoid Moonsung Wan. So there is that. But again, in a lower scoring environment, that gives SK more of a chance. Doosan does not pitch well. They do not play defense well. So that gives SK a chance here to where if they're a big enough underdog in some of these games, you may want to take a look at that home pup here in this one. In 23 games at Jamsil Stadium, and this includes their six games against LG where they were technically the road team, Doosan has only hit 12 home runs in 23 games in that home ballpark. They've hit 30 home runs in 18 road games elsewhere, but SK has only allowed 17 home runs at home. 
So this is a very good pitcher's park that could favor SK in a lower scoring environment, but I also think it lends itself well to betting unders here in this series between Doosan and SK. Finally, one more series, Kiwoom and LG. Obviously the best series of the week here. LG getting swept by Doosan did stun me a little bit. It really did. You know, I thought that series would you know, set up a little bit better for them, and it didn't. And the bullpen is fading fast. The rotation just can't get it figured out for whatever reason. And now, Che Eun Sung is out. So I don't really love this spot here for LG with some of the issues that they're having. Kiwoom, they're now second in the KBO in run differential. They won't get Eric Jokic in this series, but Choi Won Tae will start on Tuesday. I think Kiwoom is in a fairly decent spot here with LG missing a key offensive piece. Also looks like a, a lower scoring environment here, so maybe some unders in this series. But you know, for LG right now, they could hit a little bit of a rough patch because that bullpen has faltered. The starting staff just can't get it figured out. Now they're missing a big offensive player at the top of the order. Kind of like Kiwum a little bit here in this series. I don't know if any books out there offer series prices, but I think that we would have been able to make some money on those uh, if that was the case. But in any event here, I think Kiwum in a little bit better of a spot than LG for this series. So my apologies. I felt like I was a little bit jumbled up here on today's show. Things will be better on Thursday. Uh, it's when we'll have another edition of the Betters Box. But I'll chat on Tuesday with Brian Blessing about NASCAR at Pocono and about the Travelers Championship on uh, this week's PGA Tour event. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.